and we hear the song of the chiff-chaff, a melody of hope and grace. You are faithful, you are true. We worship, we worship you. What a great and song. We hear the song. What a song. He has to release it. It's going it's to be a huge hit. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame it's Miss Eurovision, in my opinion. <laughs> It's excellent. Well done, Tim. We love you, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it was a great song, and uh, thank you for writing it. Um, hang on, though. Why are you wearing... You're wearing red braces. Ah. <laughs> Why are you wearing well red spotted. braces? Well, it's because I've just come in from the garden. Okay, I'm not getting the link. So, when I'm gardening, I tend to wear shorts when it's hot. And there is a body of opinion, and by that I mean Rachel... Who feels like I should never bend over when I'm wearing my shorts. Something to do with parking the bike. I don't understand it myself. But the solution, as suggested by my daughter, I believe, was wearing these braces now. And look, I can bend over. Look. And nothing untoward has happened. (laughs) No, but I've got pictures in my mind that I can't unsee. everybody to episode 242 of the mid-faith crisis podcast my name is nick page and there in his braces is joe joe davis hello and we hear the song of the chiff chaff chiff chaff melody of hope and grace it's such a good song it is it is and the annoying thing about it is Firstly, it's a great earworm, and yes, you know yeah. it gets stuck in. But also, the lyrics just aren't aren't bad enough. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, that's the problem. Yeah, that's right. It's better than Neil's song. <laughs> I know. I was genuinely moved by it. That's, that's not what I wanted at all. And many others. Yeah, we've had quite a lot of people writing in, going, "Thanks for the earworm." And uh, by the way, this is really great, and it's really moved me. Someone cried. Well, I've cried at a lot of worship songs, but not in a good way. <laughs> That's so um, true. Anyway, Tim, magnificent job. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah. Uh, just just really good. Yeah. Um, so anyway, how are you? Uh, yeah, good. Uh, what can I say? I've, I, I did a workshop on Saturday in a barn in Sussex, which was rather lovely. I can see you're drinking there, by the way. What are you drinking? That looks like limoncello. No, it's a liqueur that was sent to me. By a very good friend oh, of mine. Oh, your birthday, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I <read it> to <laughs> you. Anyway, uh, years you. ago, <laughs> I, I went to this barn in a workshop. Lovely. Mm. Um, but here's the thing. The workshop was great. Storytelling and spiritual observation. But in the chapel, which was a separate barn with like, you know, hay on the floor and everything. Great. There were wrens nesting inside. And the little wrens came. Ooh. You could see the little wrens coming out when the parent came in. So that was that was a very beautiful thing. Um, yeah, so that was good. I still feel good out of the retreat, I think. But here's it. Look, I know we've mentioned this um, analogy before, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna squeeze one last ounce out of it before I stop talking about it. So, you know, we've talked about energy levels and I've said it's a bit like the iPhone, the old iPhone, you plug it in, you charge it, and then 10 minutes later, okay, but, so here's my, here's my take on grief, 
coming out of these retreats and things and everything. Grief is like, you know, when you've got an iPhone or perhaps a computer and it's just running slower and slower and slower. And then someone who knows about computers comes around and says, well, you've got all these programs running in the background. You don't want that. You don't want this. And you don't want to take them off and everything. Well, here's what here's what I think. I think grief, as well as many other things, is like a program running in the background that's sapping all your energy. And that's why mm. your energy levels are going down so quickly so there you are there i just just thought i'd share that and uh, ros wrote in she said um she she said about you know periodically you know you need to power down your laptop or another electrical device and then it's best to actually leave them off for a few minutes before you reconnect it and she said that's how she experienced retreats which i thought was really good that's really helpful um, yeah as well yeah. yeah it's good yeah but no i think all is well thank you had the song on my brain all week Kept playing it, actually. Mm. Yeah, it's so good. How are you doing? What's new? Well, yeah, I had a birthday weekend. You did? I have to say, it was very, very quiet, largely because uh, my wife had COVID. Oh, no. Or has COVID. Oh, still? Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, she's not over it yet. And so we'd arranged a few things, you know, meeting up for lunch and Mm. going out for things and, and, and... I was going to get, she'd arranged for me to go on like a drawing oh, morning cool. work, workshop and, but I had to cancel all that. And so people said, what did you do on your birthday? Well, I, um, I went to the dump. Lovely. And, uh, Cleansing. Lovely. And, um, did a shop in Aldi. Um, <laughs> Living the dream. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> what, what a party animal. Did you buy yourself a nice um, birthday cake? No, not really. No. Surely they do some rip off of Colin the Caterpillar cake. Well, I expect they do. I'd, I'd already got some stuff in because we were people were going to come round, but that had to be cancelled. Anyway, ah. it was it was fine. It's nice. The weather's nice, and a mm. very good friend of mine sent me this lovely hazelnut liqueur. Ah, oh, good. That, what uh, a good friend they must be. <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous, isn't it? It's very nice. So, <laughs> it is good, yeah. uh, so I'm good, and I did. You know, I'm I'm tested. I'm Novid, so I did. I went out and uh, I went to a record shop. Oh, lovely. Proper records. Yeah, I bought a record. I bought an actual, my first new vinyl I bought for about 30 years or something ridiculous. I don't know. Um, my daughter bought it for me. Can I ask what record it was? Yes, it it was uh, uh, Blue by Joni of Mitchell. Oh, uh, right. So Saint Joni. That new record. <laughs> yeah, it was, okay. it was a new yeah. piece of vinyl, but it wasn't a new... I'm not buying any of this new top. <laughs> it is so lovely, yeah. It, it took me right back to, uh, you know... Um, Going out Saturday mornings, going to the record shops, flicking through the the bins, you know, finding the new releases. Oh yeah, I mean just just going to Spotify is not as exciting as that feel of getting a new album and taking out the out of the sleeve and almost the smell and feel of it is so good. Yeah. Yes, it's the physical experience. It's, it's actually what we talk about quite a lot on mm. here in terms of the the. the the physicality matters. It's you know these things in our lives are not just cerebral things. Mm. Even listening to music doesn't have to be just that. It can it can have the image of the yeah. album sleeve associated with it, or the physical thing of putting it on. Anyway, it was, it was a real trip down memory lane. That was really nice. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, so other than that, it's been pretty quiet, obviously, because I've been uh, I've been avoiding um, typhoid Mary, as she's known. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the 
compassionate heart. <laughs> I know. I am full of compassion. Listen, I want to say something. I yeah. want to do something that I'm finding, I will find very uncomfortable, obviously. Yes, good. Go on. I believe in you. Um, I want to talk about supporting the podcast. <laughs> He's, he's already gone red. He's looking flushed, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> That's just the drink. Listen, um, the thing is, we've had a lot of new listeners uh, recently. So firstly, w- welcome. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the community of bewildered believers and uh, the home of the theology of, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you you found a place with us. You have. So, uh, yes, so um, if you're new to the podcast, or even if you're not new to the podcast and you'd like to help um, the podcast, here's here's some ways that you could do it, basically. Um, you can recommend it to a friend. Or an enemy. <laughs> yes, or an enemy. Or someone, frankly, you feel no strong emotion about either way. You can just recommend it. <laughs> yeah. That's always good. Um, we get a lot of emails from people who've had the podcast recommended to them. That's nice. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Um, you can leave a review. Um, usually using your sort of podcast app or whatever that you can leave a review. Um, and, of course, you can support the podcast. And this is where I start to squirm slightly. But, Shall I um, take over here? I mean, I think originally we said just the price of a cup of coffee each month. You know, if, if it's something you enjoy, if you feel able to give more or want to give more, that would be incredible. Um, that really would be. So thank you. But yeah, price of a cup of coffee each month or yeah. or each week. Mm. Oh, each minute if you're a billionaire. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm happy either way. Um, because it does take, uh, It does t- honestly, it takes time and energy and indeed alcohol to put this stuff together. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and you can give via the website, um, via PayPal, or if you'd rather give directly, just get in touch with us and, and we'll let yeah. you know. Um, and um, we're very, very grateful for it. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. There we are. Um, I now want to stop. Thank you. We're so grateful. We're so grateful for people giving to the podcast. So thank you. Uh, is really helpful and rewarding. Yeah. And, um, you know, means a lot to us. It's really encouraging, basically. So thank you. Anyway, that's that. And uh, let's never talk of that again. <laughs> okay, shall we move on? Oh, please do. Uh, let's let's move on. Feedback. <laughs> okay, so Matthew says this. Hey, guys. Uh, while on holiday in the area a few years ago, I walked into Wells Cathedral to have a look around. And he says, a lady at the door asked me to remove my entirely inoffensive hat, presumably something to do with not having your head covered before God. While removing my hat, I should have said, that's funny, isn't it? If I were rich and powerful enough, the Archbishop of Canterbury would put a hat on me in church. Nothing like double standards. He says, I have an inkling the Bible verse the lady was thinking of. Also says something about women having their heads covered in church. Yet she didn't ask my wife to cover her head. Good job I wasn't in an argumentative mood, he says. Keep up the good work, love the podcast. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Matthew. It's funny, isn't it? It's great. It's culture, isn't it? Yeah. I don't. I doubt she was thinking of any Bible verse at all. I think it's back to that sort of cultural thing about sort of removing your hat as a sign of respect yeah. or something. I was asked to do it once, actually. I walked into my church, my church, and uh, I was wearing my hat, and a, a guy there said, you know, take your hat off at me. And, um, you know, I thought then, of you know, I, uh, uh, Dallas Willard, a uh, person we talk about a lot mm. on the podcast, was once asked, he was at a restaurant and he was he was eating and he was he ordered the veal um, and and somebody else objected, didn't like that. And Dallas Willard said, of course, I'll change my order if it upsets you, you know, yeah. um, I would do that. And so, uh, you know, I thought of that at the time, mm. um, except I reacted in completely the opposite way and kept my hat on. <laughs> so, you know. so, almost full marks. <laughs> yeah, I th- there was a thought that counts. You thought about doing the right thing. <laughs> 
I mean, the thing is, I don't think he was objecting to my hat. I think he was objecting to me anyway. But, um, but <laughs> as so many do. Anyway, yeah, good, good point. Matthew. Yeah, thank yeah, you. thank you. And then Rachel wrote in. She says, uh, "Hi, Joe and Nick. I haven't written in for a while, but I've still been listening. Thanks as ever for the podcast. It's one of the few she listens to religiously." She says, "But she says I found myself ruminating on the nature of leadership after the coronation in the light of the sad news of another Christian celebrity in a position of leadership being accused of alleged abusive behaviour." I'm trying not to speculate about this particular case while the facts are being established, but I can't help feeling sad that it is happening at all. I wrote some writing about it, as this helps me organise my sad. You may or may not find it interesting to reflect on, but it does keep happening, and we haven't got it right yet, have we? And that's best wishes from Rachel. I won't um, I won't read all her musings, but I, I sort of like that phrase about organising my sad. Yeah. I thought that was, that was an interesting um, phrase there. Yeah, I mean... Uh, we don't need to go into any of the sort of details about about the case. It's no. just it's just another one. I I have this feeling that part of the problem is I think there were just too many Christian leaders. <laughs> I'll be honest, because yeah. there's a very well known major sort of church that organises a leaders conference. I think they used to do it in in the Albert Hall or something. Oh yeah, you know. And I used to hear people going, people say, "I'm going to the leaders conference." Oh, yeah. and I was thinking, but but you're not a leader. You know, there's too many leaders. They can't. You know, not, we we don't need that many leaders. And you and you never get people organising a Christian servants conference. Do you? Yeah, no, like, yeah, no, of like course a, not. A, yeah. There's no global conference of people who put the chairs out. Yeah. Um. You know, and I think the part of the issue is we we've raised this whole thing about Christian leadership up as something to aspire to. Absolutely. Yeah. And and. People write books about it. And, and leadership is vital. It is important. But actually, you know, if you idolise it, then you are going to have people with feet of clay and it's going to go wrong. And that's that's how it is. I just think we've got our attitude to it all wrong, really. No, I think you're that's right. True. But I shall organise the Global Chairs Out Summit. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's yeah. it's going to be huge <laughs> at the O2. <laughs> Anyhow, moving on. Uh, so Claire uh, says, uh, good morning, Joe and Nick. I said, it's evening, Claire. That's not right. Anyway, uh, she says, I've just listened to the latest pod on your Happy Place Retreat Times. It was a really good episode for me to hear. I have retreated on a few occasions over the years and don't think I have any magic formulas, but completely resonate with the intentionality coupled with being present to yourself. In so doing, I have sensed God attending to me and my needs in gentle, unexpected, but significant ways. I haven't been away on retreat in a long time, and I think I will now book in a day. Our church has one there currently advertising for people to join in with, but as I ponder that, I'm not sure that is going to be right for me. I think I might need to be on my own with no one I actually know. Quite agree with that, Claire. Uh, I have found place important, and going to a place that has had centuries of people seeking God is appealing somehow adds to my own intentionality. Yeah, thanks for that, Claire. I mean, I, I think that's right. I think horses for courses and sometimes it's nice to go as part of a group for a group retreat and a shared time of silence. And sometimes it's just great to go miles away from anyone, you know, and just have that. And, and you know, I think do both sort of retreats. I mean, I'm, I'm really strongly advocating the retreat now. <laughs> I mean, my experience with sort of the group ones is that a lot of the ones that are organized by a church or your organization call themselves a retreat but they're not really a retreat they're a conference sure you know or there's there was some kind of agenda there and that that may be well worth doing but i don't think it does the 
the bit that we were talking about earlier on about sort of shutting down the the, the program in the background that's that's using all the energy and and sort of detaching. Yeah, I think you need a bit more solitude. Yeah. There. Also, I don't want to go away on the silence. I've done that before with people I know. And then it just brings out the naughty in me because you have to be silent. <laughs> but you learn there are hand gestures that you can convey, don't you? <laughs> are they monastic in any way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite monastic, as I recall. Anyway, Elaine, okay. moving on to Elaine. Elaine says, hi there. Uh, what a treat this morning. Should I be worried that I found the song of the Chiff Chaff to be surprisingly moving? Thank you to Tim. He says, I recently went on a retreat at a Jesuit spirituality centre and remember that all that Nick had said in a much earlier podcast about travelling light into a period of retreat. Uh, she says that's her paraphrase. I didn't take books, just a notebook and Bible. I heard Nick's voice in my head saying it's OK and even necessary to sleep. So I didn't dash to every mass. I was amazed that the silence resulted in a richness of reflection. My learning and growth was gentle as I paid attention to God. Yes, I still call him her God. Everything else sticks in the throat. That's okay. That's okay, Elaine. Uh, the atmosphere within the walls was deeply spiritual, despite all the religious icons. I do love nature and certainly connect with God in the great outdoors. But for me, there is something profound about the sense of being cloaked, wrapped around, and in what I can only describe as a prayer-soaked environment. That's that's absolutely lovely. And I think that is, that's right. Prayer-soaked environment, I think I really resonate I with I like that. that phrase, yeah. Yeah, I do yeah, like that phrase. Yeah. It's about the spirit of place, I think. Whatever place makes you feel ready to hear from God. Yeah. Or willing to let go, willing to be quiet, I think. Yeah. Um, what's going to help you do that most deeply? I think that's where you should head. Okay. And now another one from Andrew. He says, Dear Joe and Nick, thank you for sharing the song of the Chiff Chaff and especially to Tim for the wonderful piano accompaniment. I've listened to it several times and without any doubt, I think it is one of the most profoundly moving worship songs I've heard in recent years. It almost made me cry and I've had the song in my head most of today. In trying to get my head around why, I think it's to do with the simplest things. In this case, birdsong, speaking into God's greater purposes in the same way as children can sometimes speak truth within insight and clarity simple beauty meeting profound truth it's scarcely credible that such a profound lyric was generated by a computer given an instruction and then using a worldwide database for inspiration but in this case the result is well inspired and so to slightly misquote paul i think it's another instance of all creation praising god that's an interesting point thanks for that andrew Oh, gosh, that raises a lot of issues, doesn't it? Does, it? Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's chat GPT praising God. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and we mentioned Tim a lot, but we should mention the guy who actually wrote this. Well, didn't write the song, but asked chat GPT to. So. Yes, it was James, I think. So thank you to James for kicking this whole thing off. Yeah, he's not really getting enough credit, is he, this podcast? So thanks, James. Well, he didn't he didn't <laughs> do much, did he? He just he just told chat gpt to do it then he emailed you he was bored during a sermon i believe he sat in a boring church service i call that a lot so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and and listen thank you we've had more stuff on retreats uh, thank you vicky for writing in about your retreat with brian draper and sean uh writing in for sean wrote in talking about a women's treat called arise a wilderness a wilderness event for women in in scotland um, which sounded amazing. And she gave us some links. So um, maybe we'll put those in the show notes as well. So um, that would be a, a good thing. Thank you for that. Um, mm. Okay, so w we come now to one bit of feedback that I'm going to keep anonymous. 
Um, for reasons that we fairly obvious, I think. Uh, so let's just call this from an anonymous vicar. And this is what anonymous vicar has to say. He or she says, we're working hard to make the church a place where all are genuinely welcome, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, etc. As a result, our Sunday services contain a mix of lifelong Christians, seekers and doubters, evangelicals, post-evangelicals, liberals and those in deep mid-faith crisis. No question is off limits in the search for truth. So firstly, that's great, isn't it? Mm, Good yeah, start. Yeah, Thank you for that, anonymous vicar. And they say this, during a recent service, a long-standing church member prayed out loud in tongues. <laughs> Some within our community were deeply encouraged by this, understanding it as evidence of the presence of God. Others eagerly expected an interpretation, believing that God had just spoken to us and that someone else present would have the interpretation. Once upon a time, I would have held these same beliefs. But now, post-mid-faith crisis, I don't really know what to think or what to do with this, especially in public worship, where people are looking for me for an explanation, leadership and guidance. For every person who found the experience encouraging, an equal number were left bemused, wondering what happened. My explanation would have taken far too much time and, quite frankly, needed more thought, careful handling and time that I had available, hence this email. So what is the place of tongues in public worship? Personally, I've come to see tongues as an ecstatic religious experience, perfectly valid, even encouraging for the individual. But I do not expect that this is God's special message to us. The interpretation always seems to reflect the views of the interpreter. Funny that. <laughs> to this end, I wonder if tongues have a place in public worship. How would you handle a similar situation these days? And he says he'd love to hear us chew over this. And then he, and then he does finish with a quote, which is good. And he says... Uh, it says the following quote is helpful from behavioural science research on the nature of glossolalia by E. Mansell Patterson. And what a good read. I love the film. <laughs> yeah, so moving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so here's the quote. Perhaps the most important distinction that should be made in be is between cause and consequence. Glossolalia is not caused by supernatural forces. However, Glossolalia may be a consequence of involvement in deep and meaningful spiritual worship. Glossolalia does not miraculously change people in a supernatural sense, but participating in glossolalia, can I say that more times, as a part of a larger social and personal commitment may play an important role in the change of direction in participants' lives. Get that? Well, I think so. Um... Do you want to talk about glossolalia or tongues? Um, I would rather not talk about glossolalia, which sounds like a plant, I think. We've got, we've got beautiful <laughs> glossolalia growing up the trellis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I've got a pink one. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my creeping glossolalia. <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> well, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting question, a fascinating question. I want to say, of course, I, I'm not in any kind of church leadership, uh, nor have I ever been. Well, I hope um, you've never attended a church leaders conference in that case. I have never. I've always avoided them on that very grounds. Um, and and so I'm not sure my advice about, you know, how would I lead a church this is, is, is worth listening to. Indeed, <laughs> not actually sure my advice is worth listening to on any other subject, if I'm honest. But, um, you know, it, it's, I suppose it's an appropriate one for us to talk about because it's Pentecost mm. on Sunday. Mm. And, uh, you know, that often gets tied in with this, even though, of course, Pentecost is not about glossolalia. Pentecost the outpouring of the spirit is about uh, speaking in known languages. Yes, indeed. So that was not speaking in tongues then 
on that day. No, no, it, it was it was uh, it was it was empowerment in order to communicate. Yeah. And I think that's there's something profound in that about the spirit's empowerment in order to build up people, to communicate, to lead people into a new way of life. Mm. And, and I think that is important in these kind of ecstatic public outbursts. Are mm. they really doing that? Um, I don't know about you. I find it a hard subject to talk about simply because it's so bound up with my past. Yeah, me too. We've gone straight back to the mid-80s here, haven't we? I have gone absolutely back to the mid-80s, to spring harvest, <laughs> to being on youth team, yeah. to being out on mission with various people, to having people having people either pray for you or against you in tongues. I've had that experience. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's not... Oh, being prayed against in tongues, that's powerful. <laughs> well, it, it, frankly, I didn't know they were doing it, so it was a bit <laughs> really... Is it was it only when they started hitting you you realised? <laughs> it was only when they added the monastic gestures that I realised that maybe maybe this wasn't as uplifting as I thought. <laughs> but it um, but it is weird though, isn't it? Do, do you, I mean I think I always found even at the time. I mean honestly, I haven't experienced that in a public worship setting for many years. Though I know it's still a kind of thing, and some people that's their mark of whether the spirit of God. Yeah. Was was in a church, you know, were people speaking in tongues and was there interpretations and all that? And I just find the whole thing weird, always have done really. Don't, I just don't know what to think about it. It can seem a bit exclusive to me. I, I think that's the issue. And of course, it goes right back to Paul in Corinthians. I, don't, I think what uh, our anonymous vicar says is exactly what, you know, the, the issues that Paul is dealing with. There's nothing new. Yeah. It's a question of is it building up the body or is it in fact dividing? Is it is it actually causing more harm? Um, Paul is pretty outspoken on it in the sense that he sort of reduces it and relegates it to the least of the gifts. Yeah. Uh, you know, he says, typically for Paul, I recall rightly, he says, you know, I've done it more than anyone. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a classic Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've paid more. I've paid more in tongues than anyone else. It's a bit like Donald Trump, isn't he? You know, like, oh, no, <laughs> no one knows more about speaking in tongues than I do. You know, it's kind of... The... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've done it more than anyone, but I don't rate it that high. Uh, you know, it's kind yeah. of interesting. I, I think the the big thing for me is exactly what he talks about. So, you know, you get that passage from in 1 Corinthians from chapter sort of 11 through to chapter 13. In the middle, you get the bit about love. That amazing yeah. bit that sort of breaks in, and and so I think the first thing to say is: Is it done in love? Is it? Mm, is yeah. It, is it building up people? Is it? Is it building up the body, which is another thing that Paul talks about a lot in, in love? If it's if it's if it's a way of making people feel like they're less, that they haven't quite reached there yet, which I think in our sort of early formative years as Christians yeah. was often the case. Yeah. You know, oh, have you spoken in tongues? Oh, yeah. You haven't. You felt like. Yeah, you, know, you, you probably haven't been baptised in the Spirit and then you're some sort of second-class Christian. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, you might have been slain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that might have happened to you. Uh, yeah. But you haven't spoken in tongues. Uh, it, I think that's not building up. That's not in love, is it? That's no. that's actually making people feel worse. And so, um, you know, I think that's that's one of the key things. The, the other thing I would say is, you know, I think you have to, in mid-faith crisis, post-mid-faith crisis, you have to sit lightly to it. You have to sit to the possibility that God is actually speaking. Yeah. I wouldn't want us to close our, our minds on that just because of our experiences in the past or, or you know, our questions yeah. about it now. I think we have to be open to 
um, the possibility. And we have to sort of look at people um, who are expressing worship in this way with a bit of grace and kindness and, and see how what, what is it doing for them as well, really. I, I, I always want to be open to that, really. Yeah. I, I just think going back to the start of this, which was the, the anonymous vicar was saying they're working hard to make the church a place that is genuinely welcoming to people of all stages of faith and all backgrounds and everything. And I just, I mean, for me, I... I can't get my head around the fact this cannot be seen as anything but weird, except for a minority of people who probably lived through the 80s when it was the done thing. So to that extent, I, I agree with all your cautions about kindness and graciousness and everything. And I, I personally, if I was running a church, and I'll never run a church, so don't worry about that, anyone. But, you know, I think I would take this person aside and say, you know what, thank you for that. But I just, think, just don't feel this is appropriate now in public because, of, you know, the ethos and, and what we're trying to do in the church at the moment. So, you know, speaking tongues to your heart's content at home, you know, but maybe not out loud in a church service. What do you think of that? Well, I hear that. But then I think you're saying, well, yes, we want our church to be open to people from all backgrounds of faith, except charismatic no i don't think that you, aren't you aren't you excluding people uh, in, in a certain way well i'm excluding people who interrupt to do something <laughs> stupid i mean equally i want to be open to people who take their clothes off and dance around naked but you know what I, it's not the right time to do it the time to do that is at home in your own bedroom um, it doesn't mean the you, same thing, is it? you don't have to. Yeah, no, don't... We've had we've had this conversation before, Joe. <laughs> it's hardly the same thing. You can't equate the two. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's something there about wanting to be open to it, but also, you know, want to be open to the possibility of divine communication through this way. But also, I think you're right in the sense that people expressing it have to be also open to the discipline and responsibility of communicating there's a discipline and responsibility about being in 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 a, a congregation as well and about building one another up and about you know looking at what we do and the way we express things and and this could be true as whether you're speaking in tongues or whether you're praying a prayer or whether you're preaching a sermon or whether you're you're giving a word that you yeah. think you've had there's a there's a discipline and a and a responsibility there that can be lacking i think yeah you know is it building up the the community that's what i would ask i wouldn't say to people you can't do it i would say is that building yeah. up people okay all right well you know you take the more roundabout route and i take the more direct approach but <laughs> we're gonna end up in the same same place because it isn't building people up is it i mean if it was well, this it wouldn't do. even be a con you can't... but this wouldn't even be a question it you... wouldn't even be an email coming in if it if it wasn't an issue clearly it is an it... issue no, but the email came in because some people were were encouraged by it and built up. So you can't say it isn't building people up. Some people were built up. Okay. By it. Some people did find it encouraging. But isn't the whole thing like with Paul in Corinthians, like and the eating meat sacrificed to idols? Is saying isn't he saying in that? Look, this is an issue for people. So do you know what? Don't eat the meat. It's not because the, the meat doesn't matter. The meat doesn't matter whether it's been sacrificed to idols or anything. You know, everything belongs to God. So, you know, it, but if people are having an issue with it and it's causing them problems and everything, then stop it. It's the same with Dallas Willard not eating the veal. That's a good response, wasn't it? It was a gracious response. I think same applies here. Look, if someone does this 
what is perceived to be a weird thing, whether it is weird or not, whether it is mystical or, you know, genuine or not. If someone is, you know, basically disrupting a service with their thing and it's, you know, maybe intimidating for people or could even be frightening for some people or people just think there's a nutter in the church, whatever the, the response is, surely the incumbent thing to go is, look, this is a bit of a problem here. So we just need to nip this baby in the bud if I haven't mixed my metaphors, which I have. Well, that's not how babies are grown. We need I don't really understand. I've never understood. So. <laughs> anyway. Where do they but, come from? <laughs> you see, I think we're, we're disagreeing here because I, you're viewing it as something inherently that you want to stop. You, I think that's where you, you would want to stop it, whereas I would go, I want to look at what the motive is behind it and how do we look at it with grace and... You know, is that is is God speaking here? What are we? How do we hear this? We're answering the question differently. The question is, what is the place of tongues in public worship? And I am saying there isn't one, and you're saying, well, there might be. Yes, I think that's probably true. So, there's your answer, anonymous vicar. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why you should support this podcast for that quality of advice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right there, exactly. Is that where we've ended up, really? Is there anything else you want to say, Your Honour? No, I don't think I have anything more to say because I, I, it baffles me. You know, I've never mm. been able to resolve it. And I don't think, you know, the fact that Paul was writing about it and the church has sort of ba battled with it ever since. For our differences of opinion, what we are agreed on is it needs to be handled with loving kindness. So what I would do is take the person's side and as lovingly as kindly as I could ask them not to do it, you would you would presumably ask the whole church to be loving and kind and say, hey, some people do this and you know, it's a yeah. th it's a thing. Yeah, I would, it's a thing. I would I would seek to get us to respond communally to it and uh, to explain it. But I think I don't know, I'd probably do it badly anyway. This is why I'm not in church leadership. Well, do you know, I went to a leadership conference once. And it turns out that the person who was leading the conference was quite a spectacular bully. So maybe we should do a conference on how to deal nastily with people. <laughs> and there's a lot of people we could get to speak at it, to be fair. <laughs> oh, don't. It's too, de it's too depressing. OK. <laughs> anyway, uh, we hope that this has been full of helpful advice this week. <laughs> it so hasn't. <laughs> And uh, thank you as normal to everyone for listening. Thank you for writing in. Um, if you want to write in, and we'd be interested in your thoughts on the last topic. We really would. Uh, do write in to... Joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Love to hear from you. Thank And thank you again, everyone who's writing it. We do try and reply to all of them, so please write in. And what's been especially great recently is short emails. Yeah. The pith... People are really taking the pith seriously now. Really so are. that is great. Thank you. <laughs> That we love so pithy emails thank you <laughs> i don't know why i keep finding that funny nobody else does. anyway okay thank you for thank you for putting up with us thank you for listening yeah. and we'll be back with you next week we will <laughs> <laughs>